0: Welcome to a special episode of Can I Offer You Some Feedback? My name is Sarah, and this is the podcast for those who have a complicated relationship with feedback and are looking to hear from real people across levels and industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. Today, I want to share this special episode where I talk with another coach and consultant who specializes in leadership development and communication strategy. In this episode, we'll be hearing their insight across their industries and what they wish they could give their clients feedback on. I want to welcome Danny to the podcast today. She's the founder and CEO of Minerva's Legacy. Welcome to the conversation today. Thanks, Sarah. Nice to see you. (laughs) Absolutely. I'd like to dive into our conversation with a little bit about your specific experience. Can you share about your primary areas of practice and the type of work that you do? Yeah.
1: So my background is actually in nonprofit and advocacy communication. I've been doing that for a little over 15 years now. And I live in Washington, DC. Most of my work has been done in DC other than like a portion of time when I worked in venture philanthropy in Chicago. And so a lot of my clients, I do communications and like organizational strategy consulting for, but I also became a certified leadership coach through the Coactive Training Institute. Been like two years now and i love coaching like i find that there's this beautiful kind of combination between equipping leaders with being the best version of themselves and understanding what their purpose is and how they want to show up as leaders in the organization at whatever level with being able to give folks you know strategy and organizational guidance around goal setting and how you build your team and how you build trust within your team and how you give feedback so that's kind of how I do my work. I envision my mission is basically the idea that everybody is uniquely equipped to change the world. And the more self awareness you have, the more empathy and compassion you can bring to your work, the better leader you'll be.
0: I love that. And I'm sure that you've seen, because you have so many years experience, both kind of in industry and now outside, I'm curious, what are you noticing that feels different? Maybe post pandemic, maybe just the trends you're observing that are not pandemic related, but what's maybe an area you've been focusing on or getting more requests for? Ooh, that's good.
1: I would say, so most of my clients are people of color. Most of them are women, particularly on the coaching side. And I think there's just, there's a lot of burnout. And at the same time, a lot of like desire to be part of the change and part of like leading that change. And so how do you balance the need to like feel like you're fighting for social justice, fighting for a better world, and also taking care of yourself and taking care of your team, right? And so that's like a trend I've been seeing a lot. I've also been seeing just a trend in communicators feeling like they're burnt out, right? Like we're all watching the news on an insane level right now. And as communicators, we don't get to turn that off. Most of us that work in policy and social justice and nonprofit work, we have to be involved in social media. We have to be be watching like the 24 hour news cycle. And there's not a lot of option to like turn your back on what's going on in the world. And that just requires a different kind of self-care and a different kind of self-awareness so that you notice when you're hitting your limit and if you notice you have tools and resources in order to support your team and yourself. And so I'm seeing that a lot. I'm I've been having a lot of conversations with other leaders in the communications world right now when it feels like the world is on fire around how they're not only equipping their CEOs, right? Like with what to say, how to communicate with your teams, how to communicate organization-wide, but also being brought into conversations much earlier than they used to be because people are seeing that it is important to not only have like a communications team that understands the work and has a strategy and can respond to crises, but also to have a diverse communications team that like can bring a lot of perspectives when we live in a globalized world where you need different voices at the table to help make sure that like you're communicating in a universally like empathetic and compassionate and curious way. Obviously, it's just different levels of self-awareness, right? Like at the core, that's really what it is. And I think what helps people, because we live in a capitalistic society, is, is kind of like grounding it in what are your organization's goals and values. And if you don't have goals and values, that's really where you need to start, because you shouldn't be surprised when somebody asks you what your values are. Like that should be, whether it's on your website or just written in your employee handbook or whatever, you should have a place where you can go to say, like, if we say something about this, is this in line with our organization's values? And so I think our immediate instinct in this, you know, world of social media and like hot takes and all of that is to be like, we have to say something. And that's not always the case. Sometimes you have to say something internally internally. So that your team knows that you are watching what's going on and that you have support for them. Whether that's like you can take PTO, you can donate to these humanitarian causes, you can see somebody for mental health support, like that kind of stuff. But I think we often leap to the, I have to like make a public statement. And that's the feedback I've been trying to give a lot of my clients is like, you can do things quietly. <laughs> that that support your team and like support your values and then decide when you want to step out and say something it's also okay to listen and be curious and not know the answer yet and see like and wait and see what comes out of you know being curious and doing your due diligence because that doesn't just mean you wait and see what other people are doing it means you wait and see and do some research to see what aligns with where you've said your organization stands on these issues or just on human values in general.
0: Yeah, I see it kind of all too often. I don't kind of work in the communication space in the same way you do. But this desire from senior leadership to have a knee jerk reaction and make a statement or take a stance or do and not think about the ramifications or the, And not to say that every effect from a cause has a negative implication, but what's the rush <laughs> to jump to? I mean, certainly you need to acknowledge the change or challenge or issues are occurring, but you're setting some precedent, you're communicating an expectation, and you have to follow through on that. You know, it's easy to say, you know, we want transparency in our organization, and then not think about what you're really saying. Like, oh, so all the financials are open to everyone or all of the documents are accessible or the pay bans are public or, you know, like you said, transparency. And I think there's kind of, as you're seeing, the desire to look like you're doing something, (laughs) or to have other people notice what might be going on in a different kind of way. I'm wondering, you know, if you could share an example, you can anonymize it, of course, of a client who you've been working with, where you're just real proud of what they're doing, whether it's an individual or organization, where you really see that they're taking it seriously, either around comm strategy or around um, the development work.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, that's easy. (laughs) I have a full-time client actually, who I'm like transitioning into being just a part-time consultant for. I'm very happy to say their name. I hope people look them up and support them. Um, the organization is Advocates for Community Health. And very rarely do you see startups pop up in association world, right? Like we all know all of the associations that exist to support all of the different like sectors, but this is a startup. They've been around for two years. The CEO came to me when she was ready to kind of start this organization and was like, I'd like for you to lead up the comms team and build out the comms team. So I was their first full-time hire and I've never had a job like that where I get to kind of like build something from scratch with somebody else who has so much like knowledge and understanding. And since I started to now, it's gone from a team of one to a team of almost 10 people. We've done like really great efforts around health equity and supporting community health centers nationwide. And a lot of that is because she was like, I trust you. <laughs> you know communications, you know nonprofit advocacy. I just want you to do this. Like, tell me where you want, where you would go on the communication side. And so our relationship has started with this just transparency and trust baseline that allows me to just be very honest with her to really just say, okay, well, I wouldn't do it this way. Or what's our actual goal in doing this? Or as the team has grown, well, we're going to need some processes. <laughs> you know, Like all of those things where to be honest, CEOs don't always need to understand that. And I think that's like some of the guidance that I've been really grateful to have her allow me to nudge her into is once you start hiring other people, even if you are a CEO that's used to doing all of the things, you have to release some of it so that you can do the CEO-level stuff. Like The whole point is that you are bringing on people you trust to do the work that they can do, and especially in a startup, in a small org, you're hoping that they can take autonomy, that they can like take some risks. You have to create some safety nets there where it's like, I will allow you to do something and it's okay if you fail. And we will figure it out together if that happens. And we had, we had a new hire recently send me a text just being like, you guys are so patient about things. Like, I just love that when I make a mistake, people are like, it's okay. Like, we'll figure it out. And we're all coming from, right, not surprisingly, like, kind of, you know, toxic environments. A lot of grind work happens in social justice and nonprofit spaces. So even if you love the job, you probably are like exhausted and don't feel like you can raise your hand and say, I need to take some time or I'm not giving you my best work because I'm overwhelmed with the way the world is and also just this job. But we try to allow that. And like, I think when you can say that out loud, right? Like I was able to respond to that person and be like, I'm glad you said that. And we actively are trying not to create a toxic workspace, knowing that the work is busy. There's a lot of work to be done. It doesn't stop. Like we work directly with Congress. And if you're watching the news, you know, <laughs> Just, you know, that's not an easy job to do to get anybody to do anything in our government right now. And so it's exhausting. And it is psychologically wearing on you. And so if you don't have a team that you feel like you can be honest with, that you can say, I woke up this morning, I have a headache, I'm going to take the day. There are other things that we need to do today. That's my long winded way of saying like a lot of us believe that we're the only ones that can do things. And I think all of us are, like I said, uniquely equipped to change the world. And it is okay to like take a beat or to rest, or to trust somebody else to do the work and to delegate. And I spend a lot of time working with like one on one clients and leaders and like recognizing when mm-hmm. that moment is, right. what their difficulty, what the stumble or the hurdle is from like them releasing some mm-hmm. things and letting other
0: people do it. And having the trust, taking the chance to trust someone else with a task is very hard. If you've come from a very toxic place, which, as you said, many of us have, and that can be extremely challenging and a a large exercise in like, here I go again, potentially, Mm -hmm. or, you know, taking a, a risk, a gamble, a chance on that. I'm curious to know, what is something that... You wish people understood or better understood about the importance or the impact of having very clear kind of comm strategy, thinking about developing their leaders, building in that time. What's something that you think folks either miss or, or just don't get?
1: You know, I think that people think of comms and PR and whatever you want to call it, because they're different, right? Communications is different than marketing, which is different than PR, but they're all under kind of the same umbrella industry. But I think people think of those things as support functions often, right? Like they're things that you bring in after you've created the strategy, or like, you know what you want to do, you've created this goal, and now you're going to circle back and like, give the heads up to the comms team or the marketing team <laughs> or the graphic design team or whatever whoever it is that does the like execution of that work and i just encourage people to remember that that is a strategic function it is not a supportive function it is a strategic vertical that should be layered into all the other verticals that you have in your organization and we all have worked in places where you're siloed, right? Like it's very easy, especially in larger organizations for you to get super siloed and for people to not recognize what other folks are doing on the team, what other initiatives are happening. Communicators are the ones that see it all. And so if you don't have a communications team that's integrated into your work, that has a direct line to the leadership that is either like in leadership or has the ear of a CEO or a C-suite person, you're often like overlooking this really great fabric that happens within your organization, right? Like they are the people that are sitting in on all the meetings about all the initiatives, even if the folks doing the initiatives are talking to each other. And I've like learned that over time, which has led me into kind of like doing a little bit more of like strategic planning and strategic like organizational strategy in my consulting is that I just naturally kind of became curious about what other people in the organization were doing. I asked questions because I needed to know to do my job. And then I would be like, uh, did you know that us like competing <laughs> priorities happening on the team in this other vertical, right? Did you know that like at the same time you want to do this campaign, so-and-so is doing the same campaign but with different words and kind of different branding in this other field office you know like it's just we're the ones that notice that because it's our jobs it's like we're supposed to notice and sometimes I think that gets taken for granted Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and especially I think you know you mentioned those are the folks that are in the meetings, hearing all of the pieces and parts, assuming that the org lets them in the meeting, right? <laughs> exactly. sometimes that doesn't happen. And then it's a, like, how come no one knows what anyone is doing? Well, it's by design, right? It's been designed that way. So I think that acknowledging like There's a separation that does happen, also silos that you're mentioning. And we have this function because it's important. It needs to be at the table because it's important. (laughs) And and how do we kind of keep that centered in mind? Yeah.
1: And even I've noticed as I'm transitioning from this full-time client and onboarding new people to take those roles, onboarding should include comms people. Like when you're bringing on a new Person on your team, they should understand your talking points, your branding, how you like set up spokespeople because they are now an ambassador for your organization. And so if you're leaving communicators out of any of those processes from HR all the way to like the actual on the ground initiatives, you're missing this opportunity to have somebody who can easily train your spokespeople, who can easily like create cohesiveness or cohesion, words, <laughs> cohesion across your organization with like, these are like, this is the brand. These are our talking points. These are our style guides. These are the ways that we like communicate and engage with community. I think there's like all of those things are things comes people are seeing, mm-hmm.
0: even if it's at the end. I It always surprises me when organizations forget that candidates are part of their experience. You're spending all this time and energy communicating to the public, working about your public face, and then just ignore recruitment. Ignore the candidate experience, <laughs> ignore onboarding. Like these are people that are wanting to interact with you, applying to come work with you. And even if they don't get the job, they could still be ambassadors for your mission. There's such a missed opportunity there, regardless of who interacts with our brand, quote unquote. What's the experience we want folks to have when they work with us? And so absolutely, you know, whether it's onboarding and recruitment, exiting, folks who volunteering, folks who are partnering with us Stakeholders, there's a whole bunch of different opportunities to think about what's the experience we want them to have. And it's often missed when you're so focused on, you know, the end receiver of the services or the purchaser of your products or, you know, whatever it is that you're selling. But for our last question in our time together, Danny, can I offer you some feedback? Sure. Well, I wanted to acknowledge, I, I know we've had an interesting relationship over a, a quite a big span of years, but I've really had the opportunity, I'd say in the past few years to appreciate and understand, more of how you are bringing your variety of experiences to your client base. And that it is also a different set of clients, right? Depending on whether you're doing individual work with coaching clients, doing some of this strategy or communications or marketing or PR work on the organizational side, I'm loving that I'm seeing all of the kind of core qualities that I knew about you back when we were teenagers, (laughs) kind of manifesting in your service delivery. Delivery. You know things like uh, you know I've always appreciated your ability to just like 100% commit to dive in to do the work to really jump in and explore a topic or an area or as you said get curious about what's going on in an entity and I think it's that authenticity that intentionality that folks you have worked with and will work with get to see so I I love that I'm seeing that I hope folks are also seeing that. And continue to kind of benefit from the range of your experience, but also all that you can kind of bring them in the way that you work with them. So I wanted to say thank you for that.
1: Thank you. I mean, this is like a mini Laurel reunion, right? Like... we've known each other since what like eighth grade
0: Mm -hmm. yeah long time
1: (laughs) Yeah, and so I mean like I get to see other people that I grew up with still committing to like everything we were taught when we Mm -hmm. were in school right which was that like we have the power to change the world like we are Mm -hmm. women who have voices and talents and tools and I just like I I like being able similarly to what you do Sarah is like I like being able to empower people to recognize what those talents are, like how can you apply those and how can you be proud of them and Mm -hmm. acknowledge them and then I guess use them in your job, but you can also just
0: use them at home. Right, (laughs) right. (laughs) <laughs> right. No, absolutely. Well, Danny, thank you so much for your time today and taking the time to speak to me. And thanks to you for joining us in a special episode of Can I offer you some feedback? You can reach me at podcast at We would love to hear from you on your thoughts on feedback or any other perspectives you'd like to hear from next. As always, give us a quick rating on your platform of choice and share this podcast with a friend. And I'm hoping that tomorrow you take a chance and offer some feedback when it's needed most. Can I offer you some feedback is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, hosted by me, Sarah Esmailbege Bartlett. Our production team includes Nigel Galladay and Gray Longfellow. We'll see you next time.
1: How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform